0: Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob and I'm reading today from a book entitled simply Proverbs written by Charles Bridges, a leader of the Evangelical Party in the Church of England. He died in 1869, left us with many books and this one in particular, a classic of uh, by some standards and We're going to be going through it a chapter at a time, a chapter of Proverbs at a time. Let's do that right now. Let's go to, if you want to, in your Bible, go turn to Proverbs chapter 1. And it's basically a commentary on it. Stay with me. Verses 1 to 4, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. The book opens with a brief account about its author. Solomon is said to be the wisest of men. He is a wise man because he is a man of prayer, 1 Kings 3.12. His exceptional wisdom was admired throughout the world. He would have been respected if he had been the son of Jeroboam, but he was held in much higher honor because he was the son of David, whose godly prayers and counsels would have shaped him. If the sayings of a king are kept, even if they have no intrinsic value, the wise sayings of the king of Israel should attract our special interest. As valuable as Solomon's Proverbs were for their own wisdom, as they excelled the wisdom of the sages of his day or any other time, they claim our attention for a much greater reason. For a greater than Solomon is here. Often wisdom is personified, and it is always inspired by God's wisdom. So it is true that the lips of this king speak As an oracle, look at 16:10. For attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, is the next section in verse 2. The purpose of this priceless book is not to teach secular or political wisdom, although many examples of each are included, but the knowledge of God that makes us wise about salvation and enables us to live godly lives. Wisdom's stunning privileges are set out. It is emphasized strongly that this is the principal thing. It is our very life. Verse 3, we are directed to acquire a disciplined and imprudent life as a complete rule of doing what is right and just and fair. These include sound principles and their practical application in our lives. Verse 4, here also the, the simple so readily deluded, learn about prudence, which is so necessary in order to discriminate between truth and error, and to guard against false teachers. It is especially the young who are directed to this book, as their undisciplined ardor is wasted and their minds are at the mercy of the opinions of the world all around them. They are in great need of some settled guiding principles for their lives. Here they find knowledge and discretion, which is a religion not of imagination, impulse, or sentiment, but the sound, practical energy of scriptural truth. Verse 5. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. As well as the simple and the young, the wise gain instruction here. For a truly wise man is not a person who has attained everything but one who knows that he has not attained and is pressing on to perfection. David, while aware of many attainments, always sought after higher light. Indeed, the most abundant stores would soon run down if they were not constantly replenished. Listening is the way to acquire knowledge. (coughs) Let the wise listen. Jethro instructed Moses, our Lord, his disciples, John, and Peter instructed his apostles, Priscilla and Aquila, explained to Apollos the way of God more accurately. Indeed, we must be listeners if we want to be teachers. Bishop Hall once wrote, "'He gathers who listens, he spends who teaches.'" If we spend before we gather, we will soon become bankrupt. The more we learn, the more we feel we need to learn, and the more willing we are to listen and add to our learning. Verse 6. The wise man himself expounded his sayings and riddles of the wise to the delight and instruction of his royal pupil. And so to the teachable listener, the deep things of God will be revealed. Hence the value of the minister of God who is the divinely appointed means to build up our faith. The church might have been spared many heresies if men had not followed unsound judgments but instead had honored God's messengers and humbly sought instruction from him. 7. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. Solomon's preface has stated the purpose of this book of wisdom. The book itself now opens with a noble sentence. There is not, as Bishop Patrick observes, such a wise instruction to be found in all their books, speaking of the books of non-Christians, as the very first of all of Solomon's, which he lays as the ground of all wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Job had said this previously. So had the wise man's father, Psalm 111.10. This saying is so weighty that Solomon repeats it in 9.10. All man's happiness, all his duty, is dependent on his having reverence for God. And so, as Solomon starts to instruct us from God's mouth, he begins at the beginning with the principal matter. All heathen wisdom... Is but foolishness. Of all knowledge, knowledge of God is the basic principle. There is no genuine knowledge without godliness. But what is the fear of the Lord? It is that affectionate reverence by which the child of God bends himself humbly and carefully to his Father's law. God's wrath is so bitter and his love so sweet that we have this earnest desire to please him and to fear him. So that we will not sin against him. Why do so many despise wisdom and instruction? Because the beginning of wisdom, the fear of the Lord, is not set before them. They are unaware of its value. They scorn its directions. They are only wise in their own eyes. They are rightly called fools who despise such blessings. Good Lord. May childlike fear of you be my wisdom, my security, my happiness. Verse 8. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. The young must note that the fear of the Lord is linked with respecting parents. God speaks here through the mouth of a parent or teacher, blending paternal tenderness with his divine authority when he says, My son. The command supposes the godly character of parents and recognizes the responsibility of both parents. Children are rational creatures. Instruction, not blind submission, must be inculcated. Listen, do not forsake. Timothy was brought up to respect his mother's teaching. The same reciprocal obligation binds the spiritual father to his children. Such was the apostolic ministry to the churches of Philippi and Thessalonica. Humility, tenderness, fellowship, and willing submission formed the basis of Christian love and happiness. Verse 10. Almost as soon as Satan became an apostate, he became a tempter. And he is very successful in training his servants in this work. If sinners entice you... This is no uncertain contingency. Do not give in to them. Giving in constitutes the sin. Eve consented before she picked the fruit. David gave in before he sinned. But Joseph resisted and was saved. When you are tempted, do not blame God or even the devil. The worst the devil can do is to tempt us. He cannot force us to sin. When he has presented his most subtle arguments... We choose to give in or to resist. Verse 11. The invitation seemed harmless enough. Come along with us. I hope you're reading along in the text, in your biblical text. We skip to verse 14 now. Verse 14. But the demand to engage in action soon follows. Throw in your lot with us. The sensitive conscience becomes more compliant every time it gives in. Who could stop himself once he starts on this downhill path? One sin makes way for another. David committed murder to hide his adultery. The only safe course of action is to flee temptation. There is not one sin that the best of God's saints will not commit if they trust in themselves. Now we skip to verse Eighteen. The sight of danger leads to the avoidance of danger. Instinct directs the bird. Reason the man. Yet man is so infatuated with sin that in his pride he will not do what the bird does by instinct. She flies away from the net that she has seen being spread out. But man rushes right into it. These men sought to kill others, but ended up waylaying only themselves. Verse 20 and 21. A father's instruction has warned us against the enticement of Satan. Wisdom, the Son of God himself, now appeals to us in all the fullness of his divine authority and grace. Full of deep love for sinners, he calls aloud, not in the temple, but in the street, She raises her voice in the public squares, wisdom does. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. In the gateways of the city, she makes her speech. Verse 22, a simple person is another name for a foolish person. It describes those who do not fear God. They do not weigh what they say or do. They live as if there is no God and no eternity. Their minds are blinded by their love for sin. In other instances, man delights not in his ignorance, but in its removal. But these simple ones, ignorant of the value and danger of their souls, love their simple ways. They think of all attempts to enlighten them as an intrusion on their indulgent rest. While they live wild, profligate, lazy lives... They forget that God remembers their wickedness and that they will be judged. They are encouraged by some who are even worse than themselves, mockers. Such people are shameless and take an active delight in mockery. They aim their poisoned arrows at godliness. They regard any serious interest in religion as a weakness that is not worthy of any sensible person. They hate the words of Scripture. A saint in Scripture means one who is sanctified by God's Spirit, but to them it means a foolish person, a hypocrite. They're too proud to stoop to the thoughts of the gospel of Christ. In this way, the simple ones and those who mock show that they hate knowledge. In their attempt to protect themselves from anything that might alarm them, these people shut out everything that would make them wise and happy. In their lost condition, they hate knowledge and so exclude anything that would teach them about salvation. Their minds are so preoccupied with other things that they hate the light and will not come to the light. Verse 23, we are often told that all the illumination that is to be expected in our day is the written word, interpreted like any other book by our own reason and that the teaching of the Spirit is some Enthusiastic delusion. Well, this may be true of the simple ones, and those who mock, as they are ignorant of the blindness of their own hearts, and the power of natural prejudice, which divine grace alone can conquer. But the person who is aware of his own darkness, and knows that nothing other than God's power can teach him, must turn his ear to wisdom. This is not because the Word is dark, since it is light itself, but because he is dark and thus totally unable to receive instructions. Such people do not respond to God's rebuke, and so fail to benefit from all He offers them. They refuse to listen. That is why God says, I would have poured out my heart to you, and made my thoughts known to you. Verse 24, When I called. The Savior calls by His word, His providence, His ministers, and through the conscience. But they rejected God. God does not issue his warnings until his calls have been rejected. As such rich and free grace is rejected, who can calculate the guilt? In addition to this, all creatures are God's servants. Man alone resists God's yoke. God stretched his hand to offer his help, to confer his blessing, and even to draw our attention to his call. But we rejected him. Verse 25, God's wisest advice was ignored. But sinner, the day will come when the one who yearned and prayed and wept and died will have no pity on you. Verse 26, on that day it will be as if he laughed at your disaster. He says, I will mock when calamity overtakes you. God will then delight in exercising his sovereign justice over you. 27. Then calamity overtakes you like a storm. You will be in utter despair when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you. Verse 28. This is God's solemn declaration. As if he could tolerate these people who mock no longer, he says that when he called, they ignored him. And now they will call to me, but I will not answer. That is, they would not listen to my voice, and now I will not listen to their cries. As Bishop Reynolds has put it, the last judgment before the very last of all is come, the very outward court or portal of hell. This is the misery of deserted souls. It is dreadful to be deserted by God at any time, but how much more in the day of trouble? To have his face not only turned from us, but turned against us. To have his eternal frown instead of his smile. This will be hell instead of heaven. Verse 29. Does this measureless wrath seem to be inconsistent with the God of love? But God is a consuming fire. Think about God's knowledge. Instead of it being a delight, they hated it and did not choose to fear the Lord. Verse 30, none of God's advice was accepted. All his rebukes were spurned. Verse 31, is it not just that sinners following their own choices should eat the fruits of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes? The moral elements of sin constitute a hell in themselves apart from the material fire. As Chambers has remarked, the fruit of sin in time when arrived at full and finished maturity, is justly the fruit of sin through eternity. It is merely the sinner reaping what he has sown. It makes no violent or desultory step from the other, as does the fruit from the flower. It is simply that the sinners will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. This picture may seem to speak of despair, But we have experienced miracles of divine grace so that we do not need to despair. We must not, however, water down God's own words. Have we never seen this demonstrated as a sinner dies? He neglected and scoffed at the gospel. And as he dies, he does not offer up one cry for God to have mercy on his soul. Does this not give us a solemn warning that limits are placed on the day of God's grace? There is a knock that will be the last knock. It is possible for a sinner to be lost on this side of hell. He may be pleaded with and wept over, but lost. Verse 32. The reason for the sinner's ruin is placed again at his own door. He is wayward since he turns away from wisdom's beckoning voice. He despises the only cure. He dies like someone who has committed suicide. He will ignore anything that anyone says to him. Remember that every time we deliberately neglect God, we take a step closer to apostasy. God's word gradually becomes a burden, and then we scorn it. Fools may seem to be spared judgment, but his complacency will destroy them. In verse 33... We close with the sunshine of God's promise. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Are you, listener, like God's own child listening to him? Then you are protected by him and no evil can reach you. You live in safety you are assured that you will be kept safe. You will not even have the fear of harm attacking you. You'll be like Noah in his ark, who was clearly being kept safe while the whole world around him was perishing. In the same way, David was fearless in the moment of imminent danger because he knew that God was his refuge. The day of darkness will be to you the same as sunshine as you enter into everlasting joy. Amen. Please join me from time to time as we go through the book of Proverbs, one chapter at a time. Thank you for listening. Please look around the site and check out one of the other 3,000 plus audios that we have here featuring some of the world's great preachers, the churches I should say, persecution stories from North Korea in English and Korean, Bible studies on a number of subjects, and a blog And then there's my books at Amazon.com or just contact me at Bob.J.Faulkner.72 at gmail.com. And I'll tell you about our Saturday evening Zoom meeting, our Tuesday noon meeting for men and women, or just discuss with you some of the things I've said. If you are opposed to some of the things I say from time to time, you can talk to me also. But if you're nice, okay, we approach each other in love, I do hope. Thank you again. This is the Hackberry House of Chosun. This audio is being released on the 10th day of January, 2023. Lord willing, we'll talk again real soon. Bye-bye.